In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is The Camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Well, we're just, uh, I guess, depending on where you're listening to this, 48, 24 hours away from Wisconsin and Penn State. Getting it on at Camp Randall Stadium, number 12, Wisconsin, number 19, Penn State. We've finally gotten here. It's been quite the uh, journey since uh, December when the Badgers played in the Mayo Bowl. We've come a long way from Graham Mertz dropping the trophy to uh, Graham Mertz, what everyone is hoping, hoping, leading them to an opening day victory against the Nittany Lions. We'll get into all that, but uh, unfortunately, I think we have to start, Jesse, with the news earlier this week that uh, Loyal Crawford, the running back out of Eau Claire, had been dismissed from the team, and the running back Antoine uh, Roberts out of Tennessee has been suspended over an altercation that occurred, I believe it was August 21st, and uh, police were called to investigate August 22nd. Um, the, what we know so far, haven't seen an incident ro- report to this point, but what we know is that there was an altercation between the two and Loyal Crawford picked up a knife at one point. There were injuries not related specifically to that knife between the two and Crawford was cited for disorderly conduct and also disorderly conduct with a weapon. And Paul Chris made the decision to, uh, send him home and, uh, kicked him off the team. And Antoine Roberts currently suspended from the team and, uh, it's not a joking matter by any stretch, but you know the running back room a little bit less crowded right now. <laughs> I suppose that is one way to do it. And as the news has trickled out, I'm certainly interested to see what more we learn. Not that Wisconsin is going to comment because in the statement released, the, the school said it in the football program said it would not comment further. But Crawford does have a lawyer. And Chris Van Wagner released a statement to a lot of media outlets that said there's much more to this story. But rather than try this case in the media, I'll present the rest of the extenuating facts and circumstances to the proper authorities and ask them to consider those carefully in reaching fair and proper decisions. So um, I imagine we'll be hearing a little bit more about this, but purely from a football perspective, you know, I don't think that this is going to have a significant impact on the team this year because we're talking about two guys that frankly were among the last on the depth chart certainly of the scholarship guys based on what we saw in camp doesn't mean they didn't have bright futures and Robert certainly still can, but you know, loyal Crawford, that was, um, that was a kid who was very talented, very versatile. He played 18 games across three years in Eau Claire. And I know that John settle was certainly high on him and injuries had kind of been a problem, but now he's got to figure out his future. And I don't necessarily think this impacts what Wisconsin does in recruiting either, since again, we're a football show and that's what we're talking about. You know, they, everybody's coming back next year. There's, there's not a senior in the running back group and there's still three guys in that 2021 recruiting class and Wisconsin doesn't have a tailback lined up in the 2022 class. So from a purely football perspective, I, I don't think in the immediate sense, it'll, it'll have a, a big impact, but it's not the news that you want to have take place as you go into your first game of the season. Obviously, you wouldn't think it would make an impact with everyone back, but we also saw in the spring that numbers can get light pretty quickly. And, you know, you, you, want, you want numbers at that position uh, because, you know, we've seen injury issues crop up for, for Jalen Berger. We know that. And, you know, Julius Davis, it feels like if he doesn't get an opportunity this year, maybe he looks elsewhere for an opportunity. Um, but there, there are, I mean, 
you never know in terms of numbers. So losing two guys that, while at this moment isn't a huge deal, could be down the road if, if they're unable to level up in their uh, running back room in terms of recruiting. Because they, you know, none of those guys were, none of the three that guys that they brought in, and you could obviously throw Braylon Allen into there. Uh, he was more thought of as obviously a defensive guy, and that's why he was ranked the way he was. But the other three guys weren't exactly highly, high, highly touted kids. Not that that's mattered in the past for Wisconsin, but you would think that they would want to add a run back in 2022. They tried. They've, they've struck out on a number of guys. Um, so I don't know. I, I, that certainly, I think, becomes a position of need if they don't do it in 2022. Certainly a, a big priority in 2023 in, in their recruiting. Oh, I would absolutely think so. And you're right. It, it very well could have long-term implications because you never know what's going to happen. Kids transfer all the time. We saw Nakia Watson last year. He goes into the season as a starter. Jalen Berger ultimately overtakes him, and he, he's in the Pac-12 now at Washington State. Um, so that is a possibility. But you're right. You look at 2022 in Wisconsin, at least at this point, they've offered nine running backs in the class, and all of those guys committed elsewhere, including two. Nicholas Singleton and, and Katron Allen, who have committed to Penn State. So I do think 2023 would be a big year for Wisconsin when it does pursue more running backs. But also, assuming Braylon Allen does stay at running back, and I imagine that's to be determined, you've still got three guys in, in this class. Jalen Berger is in his second year in the program. And th- there's, there's enough guys right now, but things certainly can change. It definitely can. And, you know, just going back to what you mentioned with the, with the lawyer's comment, those comments also would suggest, uh, hey, Loyal Crawford, delete your tweets. Uh, because, <laughs> yes. And, and uh, I think that's probably what happened because the tweets would, you know, he, he said he was treated unfairly. He said that Antoine Roberts came into his room and attacked him and said he was going to kill him. And what, what am I supposed to do in return type of thing? So those tweets have been deleted. Uh, however they live on because it's the internet and everything lives on and, and we have those. And I'm sure that, you know, however this legally, pl- we'll see how it pl- plays out legally, but it's certainly not the last that we've heard of it. I had somebody come to my mentions, uh, a Penn State fan and be like, oh, great. My team's coming to town and the Wisconsin football program is falling apart. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the fifth and sixth, or I shouldn't even say fifth and sixth, probably sixth and seventh guys on the depth chart. I don't think it's going to have a big role come Saturday against Penn State. No, I don't. And they frankly are probably seventh and eighth uh, on the depth yeah. chart because yes. I, I would put Brady Shipper above them, obviously. Oh, and, for sure. And, uh, and Julius Davis as well, based on, I mean, we, you know, we, we didn't see, I don't recall seeing any of Lowell Crawford. Now, I think he was dealing with uh, an injury of some sort earlier in camp and barely saw Roberts, but, uh, you know, they're true freshmen. It doesn't mean, you know, there isn't an opportunity for an impact down the road. And, and again, as I've mentioned before, John Settle felt like Roberts of the three uh, at the time, including Jackson Aker, was was the most advanced of them. I haven't seen that yet, but still a talent from Tennessee and, and could make an impact down the road. Yeah, Jackson Aker got, got a few carries late, you know, in, in some of those developmental periods and looked OK. I mean, he's, he's another big kid, another big kid that can run. Um, I know that there were some people that maybe thought he might not stay at the position, but maybe he will now if, you know, with Loyal Crawford gone and, and we'll see, you know, if Antoine Roberts is able to return, obviously suspended doesn't mean gone, but it also doesn't mean guaranteed to be back type of thing either. So we'll, we'll see uh, how this all plays out. I think maybe the legal ramifications may impact Antoine. We'll see. Uh, he has not been charged at all at this point. And um, again, this is, uh, I guess it's an ongoing matter and, and we'll see how it plays out, but uh, Wisconsin, does play a game this weekend and all eyes are going to be 
on Graham Mertz as he looks to, you know, try and lead Wisconsin to a win. And, you know, he's been a winner off the field, Jesse, to this point in uh, the NIL era. He was one of the first guys to unveil his logo. He has his own shirts. Uh, he just, I believe, revealed the, uh, revealed the camo edition of uh, his logo this weekend, or the, I should say over the weekend. Uh, no, earlier this week. I can get it. I got it. And has also signed some deals. I know you did a, an article on you know his the, the impact of it and you know the whole idea behind it. He's got a team, man. He's got a whole group uh, behind him running this show. It's not just a one-man operation, which I feel like it probably is with a lot of these kids that are, that are trying to make some money on the side. It really is fascinating. I, I did a long story that published on The Athletic Sunday and had an opportunity to talk to Graham's dad, who's really the one that spearheaded this whole operation. And Graham couldn't be in a better situation at a better time, right? With the NIL era becoming live in July when he's uh, in his third year as a starting quarterback in a Big Ten program. But also his dad was uniquely positioned to help him for long-term success because his entire professional career has been in sales and marketing. Uh, and, and when he realized, especially last fall, when the NCAA finally unveiled the proposed rules changes for that would allow athletes to profit off of all this, uh, he started to put together a plan. And when I talked to his dad, like about, about in February, he, he had a 13 page PowerPoint presentation. It was a business plan for Graham and it detailed everything over the course of six months. There was this timeline showing that we're going to form an LLC, set up a bank account, establish partnerships, finalize your personal brand branding logo, uh, expand your social media presence. And so you're right when you say it's a team. And I think especially when people saw that Graham was putting these videos out and, and unveiling his logo at the time, I, I got a sense that people thought like, well, where is Graham's head at? Is it, this seems to be his main focus and it's not football and he's the one doing all this and he's the one who like spent time drawing a logo or something. That's not the case at all. In fact, they actually hired uh, a third party designer that designed that logo and built it. And ultimately, uh, Graham's dad and, and one of Graham's two sisters presented the options to Graham and he just picked one. So the entire focus of this operation, and, and this was in the presentation um, that Graham's dad presented to Graham, that it said in the method statement that the operation will be managed by family members so to minimize distractions for Graham Mertz as he continues to build his career. Graham doesn't want to have to think about this at all. And fortunately for him and Wisconsin fans, he hasn't. It's been his family, his parents are on the board, each of his sisters help out, one with marketing, one with social media. They've got legal counsel. They've got the family's finance manager. And he's also got sports, sports agency representation through CAA, which is a pretty well-known uh, sports agency. And they're the ones also who are a marketing agent. They're the non-exclusive primary marketing agent. So there's a lot going on with Graham. Um, that is the non-football aspect, I suppose, of, of the story. But when I talked to Blake Lawrence, who's the, the CEO of Open Doors, um, which is a sports technology company that helps determine valuations for, for athletes, he said that he thinks Graham will be in the six figures this year. And if he has a good season, you can double it. So um, he's in a good spot, I suppose, off the field. Well, yeah. I mean, what, what did uh, the, the kid from Ohio State, uh, Quinn Ears, uh, just signed yeah. a, a deal that is going to be worth like $1.4 Yeah, over, and I Nick Saban the Alabama coach, I mean, he was talking to some people and said that Alabama's quarterback 
was basically around a million dollars, approaching six figures. It's insane. Not, and has not started a game. No, it's insane. Yeah. Um, I believe his NFT was released Wednesday. Yes. For, for anybody that is in that type of uh, headspace, um, yeah. I still, I, 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 I get it, but I don't get it type of thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I understand maybe I'm just it. too old. I understand it, but I don't get it. Right. But social media and, and everything, I mean, the influence that these guys can have and the amount of money that they can make through that avenue is, is really astounding the way that things has cha have changed because Open Doors calculates valuations. And I thought this was interesting too, that the average value basically that, that Graham should ask, and this is what Blake Lawrence said, $1,050 for a, hypothetically, if someone said, we want you to post, represent our brand on Instagram, that would be what he should ask based on all the valuations that they have. And he's actually the eighth, eighth most valuable Big Ten football player. M pretty much everybody ahead of him is from Ohio State, which is probably another story. But um, so he's extremely marketable. And I think he's going about this the right way, just from talking to him and, and his dad and other people around him. The focus has been all on football. And that was the other part of the story that I think is maybe most important to listeners are I touched on this in the previous episode, but like why, why it seems as though he's positioned to be a, a better quarterback. We know all the time that he's spent, but his dad talked a lot about what it has meant to work with Paul Christ and not saying that John Budmeyer wasn't a good quarterback coach, but as um, I mean, as his dad said, John was great. And Paul is one of the best that, that Paul has really freed things up for Graham because John was so technical that it's it sometimes, and Graham put, said this too, that not just that this year he felt like he wasn't overthinking as much. Um, you know, we'll see whether that translates to the field, but that seems to be the key, I think, to unlocking Graham as the player that he's capable of being is going out there and just kind of like letting it ride and doing the things that he did well in high school. Letting it rip, I believe, uh, would be a, a good term for what yeah. we what a lot of people are hoping to see from Graham Mertz. I kind of felt like, and, and again, this is from a point of view from sitting in the stands and, and just watching, you know, eight practices, but I, it felt like there was still a lot of thinking going on. Uh, in my opinion, you know, there was, you know, if, if there was a mispassed, it was turning around and like saying something or doing a hand motion to somebody to, to, you know, to show what he was thinking or what he was trying to do or like it, like he was trying to explain himself almost every, after every play. And, and there, there was that, but there was also obviously what we've talked about in the past was him going in and talking with the receiver too. So like, there's a lot of communication, but it also felt like that there was a lot of, I don't know, talking, I guess with the coaching staff as well. Um, right. And that's what's know. hard to quantify too. I think that's a good point. It's really difficult to quantify is when we watch practices and we're far away and you know, they're the players aren't mic'd up. So we don't know exactly everything that they're saying is, was it overthinking or was it really just trying to get on the same page with everybody? Cause communication definitely seemed like an issue. Oftentimes it was with younger guys. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the, the case when you've got Davis and Pryor and Ferguson in there, guys that you've gotten, more continuity with, and they just know the offense better, but overall, yeah. I mean, with the eight open practices, you could probably say that he looked like the grand that everybody expects definitely for one and, and maybe for two, but I don't know whether that's a result of, of overthinking or just trying to put everything together during fall camp when you've got that opportunity to work with everyone. Yeah, no. And, and again, we'll, we'll see how it plays out and 
how uh, it looks on Saturday against Penn State because that's that's really all that matters. But you know, he's only marketable because of his play on the field, right? Like, is he exactly he, everything that we talked about, everything you wrote about in that story, don't won't mean a thing if he doesn't end up being the quarterback we think he could be, right? Like, it just does it just does not matter. That's exactly right, and and I think it's an important distinction to make that he is as aware of that as anybody else. And and one of the last lines in the stories is he's talking about that in the end, you want to make football your career. And he said, I think that everything you do is reflective of that. So you can make as much money as you can now, or you can invest in yourself. So in 10 years, 15 years, you've been in the league for a while and you're making big bucks. So it does only matter if you go out and perform on the field. And I think he's done a really good job of compartmentalizing and separating what, what truly matters and putting all of his time into it. We'll see you on Saturday. And uh, I, I can't wait to see it because I think that, again, I, I think it's going to be a, a good-looking Graham Mertz on Saturday. I don't know exactly how good that's going to look, but I, th- I think it's going to look better than what we saw uh, in the middle of last year. And I think the offense is going to look better than it did in the middle of last year. The other story that you did this week, and uh, we'll see these guys lining up at safety together, Colin Wilder and Scott Nelson, both losing um, people in their lives and, and, and going through it. And now they have some uh, bond together. They really do. They've got a unique friendship and relationship. They've been roommates for the last couple of years and they're connected through sharing a similar path of injury and tragedy really. And because we'll start with the injuries, Colin tore the ACL in his left knee when he was at Houston in his second season, he only played in two games and then ultimately in the offseason, transferred to Wisconsin and then we know Scott Nelson had the same injury and he got, he suffered that in that season opener against South Florida in 2019. And Colin really provided an outlet for Scott during that time. And I think that helped them get closer. But a couple months later, one of Scott's good friends um, passed away. He, uh, Zachary Winston was a, a high school basketball teammate with Scott and he stepped in front of a moving train and um, this was in November of 2019 and Scott was really struggling with that. I know Scott has talked about that a handful of times since that time, but you know, he, he, he felt guilty about not seeing any warning signs. He, he just didn't know how to handle that. And frankly, any, any person at a, especially at a young age, is just is not something you're supposed to be thinking about. And, and Colin was there for him. And I think that that helped forge a bond, but then, Colin had a friend at Houston who was shot and killed, Kadarian Smith, a 22-year-old cornerback. This was last November, so about a year later. And Colin remembers finding out and, and coming out of his room, and, and Scott was there for him. And you know they, they both said that they've got a greater appreciation for what this opportunity means to go out there and play. And they also feel like because of their friendship off the field, it's really helped with communication on the field. I think both of those guys are going to have pretty big seasons. I think Scott... I think Scott can be an all big 10 player this year, but that does go a long way. Just the the relationships that these guys have off the field and the trust that they have, but certainly a a unique situation for each of them. And and if you're listening, I encourage you to check out the story. Both those guys really open up about uh, what the other has meant to him, how much time they spent together and and what they've gone through in the last few years. When you say Scott Nelson, you're expecting him to have a big year. What leads you to believe that? I think part of it is that, to me, it feels like it's been building because in 2019 and Jim Leonard just talked about this. He thought at that time, Scott was really ready for a breakout year. Well, Scott didn't make it past the first game. And last year, 
I mean, Scott had COVID-19 and he missed the first game. And I think that just everything that happened last year with it being such a disjointed season kind of, I don't know if that sounds like an excuse for everybody, but it prevented people from being at their best. And I mean, you know, you got to go through the 21 day return to play protocol and Eric Burrell's not there anymore. So Scott Nelson is the guy he's, he's started 15 games. I, I would have thought, I mean, you think about how much he's played and it feels like he started more than that, but it just, I think he can be a difference maker. He led the team in picks last year, even though it was only two. I think if you can put it all together that he can be, you know, a really high level big 10 player and all conference type player. Somebody asked me a question in a, in a mailbag that's uh, running Friday. And it was about, it was basically like, I feel as though sometimes fans think this was the question. Sometimes fans think that just because you've been there for a long time, you're automatically better. And the guy said, I think you can say that about everybody in the secondary, um, but who actually could play at a big 10 level. And my answer was Nelson and Fayon Hicks, who I think is very underrated, especially if you only look at stats because of everything he's done in the slot as well. I just think those two guys, given their experience, which is, again, not the only thing, but the trajectory they seem to be on can have really good seasons this year. Well, and they are going to face a quarterback in Sean Clifford that is confident. You know, he's a what's third year starting and Wisconsin, you know, he, he obviously didn't start out very well. We heard from Audrey Schneider, the, your counterpart there at the athletic that covers Penn state, that, that they're not exactly sure what to expect from him. He had, you know, not uh, 16 touchdowns, nine, interce- uh, nine interceptions, but eight of those came in the first five games. He was a lot better uh, or he was better. I should say in the final four games of last year. And he's a very confident guy, according uh, to himself, he said. He said in a in a I don't know where he said this, but it's it's on t- the twenty four seven Twitter that just they just tweeted this out about an hour ago. I can really say that I am the most confident quarterback in the country. So he's got that going for him. I know Graham Mertz is pretty confident as well, but he finished it by saying, "So I'm excited to get after those boys in Madison." Is that, <laughs> is that trash talk? I don't know. That is great. But if you're not confident in yourself, who the hell is going to be? So I love it. Um, statistically, last year was not his, his finest moment. I don't know. I mean, we talked about this before, and I don't know exactly what the offense is going to look like with a new offensive coordinator, it's their third offensive coordinator. But if he can play more like he did the last four games, then, yeah, I mean – Maybe he is one of the the upper echelon quarterbacks in the Big Ten if he puts it all together. But he, he, those first five games, it's also hard for me to ignore that, that he threw eight picks during that stretch. They just turned the ball over way too many times, and they couldn't score in the red zone. But eh, we say this a lot, but we'll see. I sort of tend to think uh, this Wisconsin defense is going to be pretty damn good. I think it's a top 10 defense in the country, and I don't think Penn State scores a lot of points. So maybe that's bulletin board material, <laughs> but uh, we've got to we've got to go, ba- you know, based on what we've seen. And I just think this defense handles things. Yeah, I'm going to go with trash talk. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm can't wait to get after those boys in Madison. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with trash talk. It, it might not be heavy, but I I, I imagine it may well, or may it'll not make have... its way. It'll make its way to the locker room. Anything, any morsel that you can find at service motivation, you absolutely must use. Yes, and that's what I was going to say. It's going to it's going to make its way into Camp Randall and that locker room before Saturday. That's for sure. Uh, let's get let's get into a little talking about Saturday. Uh, some 
sold or not sold, not over under, sold or not sold here, Jesse, a Wisconsin running back will run for 100 yards on Saturday. Not sold. Mm. <laughs> I just, I don't know what the ratio is going to be here, but I do think it'll be more of a one-two combination unless Gary Brown's made a decision that Malusi is straight up his guy, which is possible because anything can happen the last two weeks of practice, as we've seen before, but I am not sold at this point. Yeah, it's, that's, it's tough to say. I, I, would, I would probably lean your way as well. How many 100-yard rushers did they have last year? Wisconsin. Well, Gary Groshek had it was, it was one. It was, <laughs> it was one. the Groshek game. Yes, against Minnesota. That was the only time they had a guy run for 100 yards last year. Jalen Berger would have if they would have let him carry 25 times. Yes, uh, maybe even 20 times uh, he may have gotten there. Maybe even 16 or 17 times he may have gotten to 100 yards at one point. Um, you know, just give him the ball. Uh, but that didn't happen, and so yeah, that's. Mm. Yeah. You know what? Screw it. I'm going to say yes. I, I'm sold on a Wisconsin running back for 100 yards. I think it's going to be Ches Malusi that does it. Okay. I like right. the about face that you yep. just made, but it's better yep. for I'm, us to be opposing opinions. Well, and, and the, yeah. The, yes. The, the more I hear your opinion, the more it changed mine. So, <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Sold or not sold, Graham Mertz will throw for at least 200 yards and two touchdowns. Sold. Give me all the Mertz. I'm buying stock. So what do you, you think? Know what what? I, Go ahead. Well, you know what I think is interesting? Um, I was looking this up too. Um, I really wonder, I don't know how much we'll see it, but how many three receiver sets we'll see with Davis, Pryor, and DK. Yeah. Um, I just think that can be really special. Uh, I, I looked this up. How many snaps do you think the three of them played together last season? Nine. Three. all against Michigan. Obviously Davis didn't play after the Michigan game. He got hurt and and Pryor was hurt for most of the season as well, but it just makes me think we never got to see that. And I think that trio can do some damage. I do as well. And I know that we're, they were talking about it in, you know, last off season, Kendrick playing in the slot, being the slot receiver and having those other two guys on the outside. I don't necessarily know if that'll be the case or not. I think they kind of were lining guys up all over the place during fall camp, but yeah, I mean, I, it's a, it's a good group. I think it's as, you know, it's as good of a overall group. I mean, I probably say so you know, since 2019, but that has a lot to do obviously with Quintez and right. how special he was. And he was, he was kind of the guy and I don't necessarily think they're going to have the guy though. Danny probably, maybe that goes into my next question here. Um, but in, in terms of Graham Mertz, will he have to do that to be, uh, to win the game? Will he have to throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns? Yeah. Well, because I said that nobody will rush for 100 yards, my answer will be yes. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. The reason that I I said I don't think anybody will rush for 100 is because I think if it's a Malusi Burger or Garendo combo, maybe you get a couple guys with 80 and 70 or something like that. And the running game is effective enough that Graham doesn't have to be the man. But again, we're talking about a bunch of guys in that backfield that haven't been the man yet. Malusi's never carried more than eight times in his career. Didn't didn't in a game. Didn't carry more than five times in a game last season. So it's really tough to know what to expect from them. Which is why I, knowing what maybe having a better sense of what Graham has to work with in the passing game. Five of his top seven pass catchers from last season are back. That I'll say yes. Uh, Danny Davis will lead Wisconsin in receiving yards. 
it's him or Ferguson. So I'll say Davis because he'll be the bigger play guy. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll say sold. I'm going to say not sold. I think Tim Ray DK leads okay. him in receiving yards. Uh, I, th- I think the connection between him and Mertz is going to be different. And I, and I also think that there's going to be a lot of focus on Danny Davis and Jake yes. Ferguson. And I think it opens up potential uh, opportunities for Kendrick and for, for Tim Ray. But I think yeah, I, I'm going to go with Tim Ray. So uh, not sold on that. Jack Sanborn's going to lead Wisconsin in tackles. Sold or not sold. Oh, I am sold. Mm, <laughs> That's mm, are I, you? Are you? I he's been the he's what is he mm. led the team in tackles? Mm. He was second once and first twice so far. Is that mm. right? Mm, perhaps I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, you think it's going to be Leo? Chanel? Yes. Yes. I, I think. I think it's going to be Leo. I think it's obviously can... one of those two guys. But I'll take Sanborn. He he won by six tackles last year. Yeah, I think those two guys are going to go. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one too, but I th- I think it's going to be Leo. I think he's gonna, man. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think they're both. I think they're both going to have big years, but I think there's going to be an opportunity for breakout. Uh, it's a breakout opportunity for Leo. I think. Do you? I mean, I. I what would yeah, you define I, as like, breakout? Tr- you know, he's already started. He, but he, he like is he like an All Big Ten like first or second team guy? Like that's that oh, to me to okay. me is breakout. You know, he was. Um, I think he was honorable mention last year. He he's got that he's got that kind of talent. He's got that kind of uh, ability to be that guy. And the only reason he won't be like the only reason it won't happen is because Jack will get more uh, attention because he's the bigger name. He's the preseason like you know all conference guy, whatever whatever that stupid yeah. thing is that the Big Ten puts out. <laughs> um, right. You know. I mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I would ask you what, from a statistical standpoint, you think Leo's going to wind up with. Last year, I feel like he quietly uh, put together a, a really good season. I don't know if you would call it a breakout season. He was second in tackles. He tied for first in tackles for loss. He led the team in sacks. He led the team in quarterback hurries. But no he one's talking really about. Him. No one's talking about him. Okay, We're talking about Jack Sanborn. So okay. I think I think there I think this is an opportunity for Leo to uh, show everybody that you know he's right there with Jack. So yeah. we'll see. Jack Sanborn's an, an NFL type guy. I believe uh, Mel Kuyper had him ninth among inside linebackers for, for the 2022 NFL draft. So he's certainly got that kind of kind of recognition. I think Leo will after this year as well. Sold or not sold, Camp Randall will shake between the third and fourth quarters. 100% sold. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. It beats the heck out of uh, cardboard cutouts. I don't know if you saw this, but friend... And occasional guest when we do the swing. And I guess we'll have to get him on for football now because he's now the Lee sports columnist, but uh, Jim Polzine, like they're trying to, they're trying to sell some memberships or sell memberships, sell uh, uh, spawn, sell. What is it? Subscriptions. Um, subscriptions. Thank you. Got it. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Uh, but yes, the, they're trying to sell subscriptions. So they had him put these, this thing out with a tweet and like it quotes, it quotes something. And, uh, I, I never knew this about Jim, but he says, quote, even though I always get a little nervous when the Camp Randall Stadium press box shakes between the third and fourth quarters as UB fans jump around, I actually missed that uneasy feeling in my stomach last season. Have you ever had nervousness or uneasy feeling when you uh, w- when uh, things start to shake in the press box? Okay, so the very first game I covered on the beat was 2011. It was Wisconsin against Indiana, an absolute blowout. So never been to Camp Randall never participated in or seen jump around 
back then, Wisconsin had these super old TVs. I'm talking the tube screen kind, not flat screen. And they would sway whenever <laughs> Jump Around would play. And I, I thought like, oh my God, one of these is going to fall on me. So the first time there was a little fear. It dissipated quickly. But I must say that one time it did happen. Since then, though, I've gotten used to it. I'm pretty sure nothing's going to collapse on top of me. So is it then a little bit over the top on Jim's part? I don't know. I, I got nothing but love for Jim. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they asked uh, him for a quote and he gave it. I can promise you that I, uh, I will say something between the third and fourth quarters on Saturday. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and, and we'll finish with this one. Uh, Wisconsin's defense, sold or not sold, will hold Penn State under 20 points. I'm not going to hedge. So I'm going to say sold. <laughs> I think uh, I'm sold. Look, if I, if, if this defense is as good as I think it can be, then they're not going to be giving up many touchdowns. And unless Mertz is throwing pick sixes uh, or special teams are awful, then I think, I think the Penn state will be under 20. All right. We'll get to our predictions in a little bit uh, in terms of the game. We'll finish with those, but I wanted to get into a little bit of season predictions, big 10 and, uh, see how you feel about this. Who is winning the East in your mind, Jesse? Um, boy, this is such a tough question. I don't know. <laughs> Ohio State. Okay. Uh, bigger question, though, I think is, who is the biggest challenger to them? In the East? Yes. I'd like to say Indiana, just because of you like the how story? those things were. Yeah, I'll go Indiana. I don't know. Who am I buying stock in in the East? I mean... Penn State wasn't very good last year. I don't know how they're a top 20 team this season. Uh, Michigan, come on. You know what's messed up, though, Jesse? Like, as you, you say, I don't understand how Penn State's a top 25 team after what they did How's last Wisconsin year. Wisconsin a top why 15 is, team? Why is Wisconsin number 12 then? No, I agree. I, I, I didn't say that, but I very well could have because preseason rankings are completely meaningless and they're based on uh, what people believe a team has been <laughs> or could be. I mean, right. the preseason rankings are just something to talk about, but I guess I'll say Indiana at this point. Okay. They've, they've got, I think one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So assuming he's they almost beat Ohio state last year, assuming, assuming he's, you know, all the way back. Yes, and healthy, right? That is true. Yes. Yeah, Which Michael Pen I believe, Michael I believe Tom Allen said that the expectation was that he wouldn't, I mean, that's the coach saying that. So we'll see, but the, the expectation was that he would be ready for that opener against Iowa. Yeah. They, they didn't need him last year against Wisconsin. Um, so they didn't really do anything offensively, but they didn't really need to because Wisconsin's offense was not ideal. Who do you have winning the West, Jesse? Well, for me, it's Wisconsin. Um, I, what I is it? It's, what it's is, Wisconsin and Iowa. It's between Wisconsin and Iowa to me at this point. Okay. What is it about Wisconsin that you give them the, the edge over Iowa? Well, if I think this is a top 10 defense and if we've been having conversations of, I mean, really, what, what are the best defenses of the 3-4 era since 2013 when Dave Aranda got here? And, and, and Fayon Hicks talked about it, too, that the one really to look up to is the 2017 group. And I don't, I don't necessarily know that this one touches that, but let's just say it's the second best defense of the 3-4 the era. Uh, that's a really good starting point. And you look at how many pieces there are offensively that are back and I just look at that and think this is this is a Big Ten West winning team. Got to go out and put it all together. Um, but you got to beat the Penn States and the Michigans early, I think, to give yourself a chance later. 
look, they had one of the best defenses in the country last year. They went four and three. This isn't about yeah, the, they did. This, this isn't about the defense. This is, uh, we, we think the defense is going to be good. We think it's going to be a top 10 defense. It's got that, that kind of ability. In picking Wisconsin, you have to be thinking that their offense is going to bounce back and bounce back in a significant way. Yes, I do. And you're right. That's also important to note. Like last year, the team was historically bad in that three-game losing streak. We were talking about that they hadn't scored single digits three straight games since Barry Alvarez's first year in the program in 1990. You know, anytime you're making comparisons to the 1990 team, no offense, (laughs) not a good place to be. A few years later, sure. And those guys helped turn it around. But I do think that the offense will be significantly better. Um, they got to get more big plays, and uh, they've got the talent to do it. That's why, yeah, I think you put that together, and, and I think this is a team that, that wins the Big Ten West. All right, so it's, it's Iowa. No love for uh, Northwestern, the defending champion, the, the, the champion two out of the last three years. I think they lost too much. Okay. Uh, you just look at who they have left. So then, okay, we, we know who we have winning the East. You know how we win in the West. Who wins the Big Ten championship game? Broken record. I think it's Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. I mean, is Wisconsin is going to have to prove. Well, sure. It's been close for a while. Wisconsin is just going to have to prove it to me and to all of us that the Badgers can get over that hump because we haven't seen it in the last decade. So, yeah, they've been really close. They've put the fear of God, I think, into Ohio State, especially in the 2019 game. when They're up by a couple touchdowns at halftime, but Ohio State's had better athletes and better players and better execution late in those games to win. So I'm, I'm picking the Buckeyes until Wisconsin actually beats Ohio state. How's that? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I would uh, totally agree with it. You're, we're not going to go Ralph Russo here or some other uh, extreme thinkers that uh, are just going to go out there and pick it. And no one's going to even ask them about it uh, in a couple months from when, when they're wrong. Right. Um, but, we will be held accountable in January or December. Yes. Yes, of course. I, yes, that's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to hold, people accountable as long as they don't <laughs> as long as they don't hold me accountable but yeah no i i think ohio state does and i think it's a close game and you know wisconsin goes 10 and 2 in the regular season goes 10 and 3 after the big 10 title game and it ends up in a in a really nice bowl but you know it's kind of the same old same old and um we'll see uh offensive mvp for you for wisconsin tough one I want to say Mertz. I was initially thinking Jake Ferguson, but then I thought, how can someone catching the passes be the MVP over the guy throwing the passes when he will throw to multiple players? How's that for very advanced scientific thinking? I'm going to go Mertz. All right. I think, gonna, I think he's going to bring it this year. I'm going to go with the offensive line. Oh, that is uh, – what, are you going to pick all five of them? I'm going to pick all five of them. I may pick all eight of them or nine of them because I don't think they're all going to stay healthy. But – uh, I think they end up being the MVP of this team because um, anything that Mertz is going to do, anything that the offense is going to do, it's going to roll through them. And if, if I think the offense is going to be better than it was last year and back to what it has to be or wants to be, and we've seen it be, it's going to be the offensive line that, it's, that they're going to ride. That so, is a very team-oriented pick. Is well, this, Wisconsin- I feel like that's participation trophy. Well, Can Wisconsin- you pick one lineman? Wisconsin is a very team-oriented team. Are they yes. not family-oriented, based in the offensive line, based in the trenches? That's what Wisconsin is. So I'm going, yeah, I'm going the offensive line. Why would I? We, we don't, look, they don't have a JT. They don't have a Quintez Cephas. They need, right now, for other guys, they need their offensive line to be dominant. They don't have those 
those true game breakers, at least that we know right now, um, that are going to be different, that are going to tilt the field in their direction. Like, I, I think the offensive line can be that. I appreciate your perspective. And as we've talked before, I know you believe, especially on the right side, including with center Joe Tipman, just the, that side can be pretty dominant. Um, mm-hmm. I just wrote a story about Tipman and Nelson, which obviously represent the future at O-line. And boy, it can be special down the road. They, they've got so much talent there. And I, I think what also stands out, especially with those two guys, with Jack Nelson and Joe Tipman, they are huge, like even <laughs> taller. I mean, they're always huge at Wisconsin on the O-line. But think about it. Tipman is 6'6 as a center. Kane Lyles was 6'3. Uh, Jack Nelson, who Paul Chris described Nelson and Trey Wedding as prototypical tackles, he's 6'7. 304. He's a guard. How many 6'7 guards do you see? So I think there's a lot of length and athleticism and quickness and just nastiness, as we've discussed, particularly as it relates to Nelson, that does have a chance to make them special. So I'm just further bolstering your point. Uh, I like that you went out on a limb on the O-line. I don't agree because I want a stats-based evidence here if I'm going to pick an offensive MVP. But yeah, there's pretty darn solid top group and, and some good guys behind them as well. Your defensive MVP tough one well since i said that i think jack nelson will lead the team in tackles and he is the leader of that defense i am i'm gonna go with jack sanborn i think that's a good pick you know and leo obviously is a good pick but i feel like a key if they're gonna be as good as we think they can be can i guess you sure can are you gonna say nick herbig no are you going to say someone in the secondary? No. Are you going to say Keanu Benton? I am. Well, it was 21 guesses. I made it before then. Can I have multiple guesses? I think is what you meant to ask. Um, Can I have a lifeline? <laughs> yes. Use your phone, a friend, and you call me and I'll tell you it's Keanu Benton. I'm probably leaning towards Leo Chanel like that because I, I do think he's going to have a breakout year. But I also think Keanu is a huge, huge, huge key to the success of those linebackers. Him and Matt Henningsen and Isaiah Mullins and, you know, go on down the line of the defensive line. I think they will be allowed to attack a little bit more than maybe they have been in the past. I think we kind of talk about that every year. Uh, this is the year that they're going to start putting up some stats. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not, but I, I certainly think they have the people in place to do it. And Keanu's going to play a much bigger role than he has in the past. Like, I'm sure you've looked at the snap counts, right? Like how many snaps he's playing. It's, it's minuscule to what his talent is, and that's because they just couldn't get him on the field because he wasn't he, – they, were, they weren't playing base defense, and he wasn't in the uh, nickel. So now he's in the nickel, and he's in the base, and we'll get to see him a lot on the field a lot more. I think he makes a much bigger impact. You know, again, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be stat-wise, but I do think it's going to be a huge key to their, them having success, especially Sanborn and Schnell. Yeah, I don't doubt it. It's really tough because I think sometimes uh... – and I think this will be the case again this year that the, the stats don't always show up on the D line. And now we know that Benton has that game changing potential. If he can get in for a sack and, and flip everything and put, put a team in a third and long situation. But yeah, I, it's a reasonable pick because of how much more I think he's going to play. And as you were asking that, I was trying to look up how many snaps <laughs> he did play. I've got the, the pro football focus numbers right up in front of me. So over seven games, he played 173 snaps. Well, the defense had, according to this, 438 snaps. So think about all those moments when he wasn't on the field. And a big reason, as I've said over and over, was that the defense was in nickel 68% of the time. 
And now, even if they're in the nickel 70% of the time, he's going to be out there on the field because he's in that top group with Henningsen when they've got the two linemen out there. So it's a, it's, it's a good pick. I'm still sticking with Sanborn because he's going to be a tackling machine, but they got some dudes <laughs> up yeah. there that, yeah, no, uh, that can make plays. Yeah, no doubt. Again, I, if I was forced to make a bet, I would probably say Leo Chanel, but I'm not. So I'm going to sit out here and pump uh, Keanu Benton as, as the guy that will be the MVP and the guy that a lot of people are pointing towards is saying uh, he's one of the big reasons for our success because I, the defense is it starts with the defensive line and putting them in you know stopping the run and getting into long distance situations so you can get after the quarterback I mean that's the key for every defense and Wisconsin's is no different and it's been that way and, and they've done a really good job with it Jim Leonard I think will probably work some ways to get other guys involved but I I'm anxious to see you know what Jim has come up with to get Leo and get Jack and get Nick and uh, get Noah and the rest of those guys after the quarterback and, and finishing better than they were able to last year. Cause that was a, he even mentioned that on, on uh, Tuesday, on Monday that, you know, the pressure was there, but the numbers, the sacks numbers weren't there and they're, they're looking to increase those that this time around. Yeah. I know that's been a big emphasis for everybody in the front seven and that's been like Nick Herbig's biggest focus, I think is talking about that. He, he was just so disappointed in how he played in his first year, even though I think you look at the numbers and for the most part, he was pretty darn good for a true freshman, but that he only had one sack and none of the outside linebackers had more than one sack. And um, I think their numbers are going to go up this year. Yep. I would agree. All right. Predictions for Saturday, Jesse, who you got? I got Wisconsin. Haven't thought about a score yet, but Too based bad. on all the answers that I've offered before, I'll say 28-17 Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I was going to say you're going you're gonna to have to keep that under. Under 20. Under, so, under 20. Yeah, so so I you, did. You said 28-17? 28-17. All right. I'm going to go 24-21 Wisconsin. So you're saying that uh, Penn State covers the spread because they're five and a half point dogs, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am. I, oh, you At got your... Point. You got your gambling podcast coming up, don't you? You're, no, you, you're, not doing you're, that anymore. Oh, you're not doing that anymore? All right. No. Well, then maybe maybe we'll have to incorporate it into our, our second shows as we might uh, have to. We might, might have, have to. to. Then then we can, uh, I mean, heck, why don't we just do it right now? That way we can keep tabs all year. See all who right. covers, who's right, who covers against the spread. I so, believe, what was the over-under on this one? 49 and a half points? Yeah. So I have the under. I guess we both have the under. We both have the under, but I have Penn State covering and you do not. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll do that. Maybe we'll, we'll you know what? We'll, we'll I'll, I'll put this together and we'll, we'll do Big Ten games. But are you excited for uh, some other Big Ten football? I mean, we've got, we're doing this show on Thursday. It's game day for Buckeyes and Minnesota. So that I think that's 14 and a half. I think there's some people that are expecting Minnesota to cover. Are you? I'm not. No. Ohio State beats everybody by a lot. So, um, yeah. But how amazing would that? I mean, how amazing would that be? How how big of a flip would that put on the Big Ten race if Minnesota somehow pulled the upset tonight and uh, and beat Ohio State? I don't see it, but it would be amazing um, because it would throw absolutely everything into chaos. Not maybe not everything, but it would it would it would put a huge dent into uh, Ohio State's plans for a Big Ten title. It would put you know, Minnesota certainly in contention, but I just don't see it at all. I, I, don't. Uh, I know I, that, I, do I know they had a, I know they played them better in tw- like in 2019. They, they played them all right. Um, or was that 2018? I was, it might've been, I don't remember which year they were at Ohio state, but they played them better, but still this is going to be uh it's going to be a blowout. 
I think I'm most looking forward to the Fordham Nebraska game at 11 a.m. Oh. Oh, I'll probably be paying more attention to that than Wisconsin Penn State. Oh yeah, uh, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. I like the Indiana Iowa game. I think that's a really good opener. Really intriguing because you've got two teams that I think can potentially compete for a division title, assuming Indiana can keep pace with Ohio State. Do you like Big Ten opening with uh, Big Ten games? I, I mean, I do. I, I would prefer, certainly wouldn't prefer what we've seen these last four years, like uh, the Friday night Western Kentucky BS that Wisconsin has done. But I like the LSU openers. I like the Alabama opener. Like those are the, I, I like those type of openers. This one's a little bit different because I feel like in the, uh, when it's non-conference games, you know, if you lose, yeah, it sucks, but it's not a conference loss. This one this one uh, can hurt both teams and like the other, whoever loses is going to be not facing an uphill battle, but certainly their margin for error has dipped significantly. Yeah. There's no question about that. But what, for me, what's, what's not to like, yeah, there's more at stake, but there's, it's more exciting. It's two top 20 teams. It's a team that has, I mean, Wisconsin hasn't beaten Penn state in a decade. Granted that haven't played very often, but Penn state's won four in a row. So this is a really important game that I think is an opportunity for the Badgers to make a statement and um, put them in good position for, for big 10 games. And you're right. It does put you behind the eight ball a little bit early, but we've seen before. It's not, it's not necessarily the end. I'll be, I mean, remember the season when Wisconsin lost to Ohio state and Michigan back to back. I think the Badgers were what one and two at that time in conference play and stormed all the way back and, and won the West. So, I like this a lot. And we're still ranked, I think, in the top 10 um, because of how they lost those games, especially the Ohio State game that was in overtime. Wasn't that the game that you, that you talked about, the wide receivers and not having any speed? Wasn't that before that game? <laughs> or was that Jim Bunner yeah, who that, said that? That, uh, that may have happened. That was 2016. That was yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, we haven't had been able to talk to assistant coaches during the week since. Good job, Jesse. No, I'm kidding. Incorrect. You know, I'm kidding. Completely fabricated. Either way, looking forward to Saturday, Wisconsin and uh, Penn State Camp Randall. The weather looking okay. Potential for some rain, but uh, not too hot. And uh, all the fans back at the stadium and looking forward to the band and, and everything that goes along with Wisconsin and game day and everything in Madison. Jesse, uh, I will see you there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.